Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a sensationally saccharine saunter alongside the success of Norwich's ascent to sixth. It's episode 112 with Edie, Punt and me. Edie, that's right, you're smart under Wagner, isn't it? That's all right. I've sort of like, it's nice to see, and this is very weird to say, it's nice to see a grown up. As opposed to sort of little dumpling, sort of man baby who just sort of doesn't really do anything quantifiably of value and then gets really upset about it if someone says, excuse me, you appear not to have done anything of quantifiable <laughs> value. Um, so, I mean, that that does fit in rather, I think we've got quite used to this sort of um, white man moaning club that's uh, been kind of established as a culture. So it's really lovely to see a nice chap turn up and just just sort of wave at people and seem genuinely interested in the business of football. So that's a really yay. interesting. That's a really interesting point. Um, this the the unbelievably tiny amount of effort that is required wave at people like just give everyone a bit of a wave i wonder how much more rope soft little dumpling would have had if he'd have just given us a bit of a wave on the couple of wins that we got on on the do you know what i mean and like during that period of time where we were near the top of the league like unbeaten in nine if he'd have done a bit of waving if he'd have done a bit of this is me and this is what i like and this is me as a personality and this is what i'm trying to achieve and in a, in a just trying to be a bit more soft and cuddly and just give us a bit friends. of a wave. It just shows how it just shows how small what we were lacking is, but also how vital it was. And I, I don't know. It's just like it, it, there's a relationship between all of us. There's some synergy. Acknowledge that, and then everyone feels like they are part of the synergy. Very simple. Do you feel part of the synergy, John? I do, it, and it. it... I'm not going to go as far as soft little dumpling, but let's not pretend right. that that this was. Let's not pretend that football was fun under the the predecessor, even when we were top of the league in September, even when we were top two for a fairly elongated period um, of of the start of the season. And football feels fun again, and I think that's that's the reason that we keep coming back to football because actually it should be a pastime that we go and enjoy, and we pay you know five hundred and fifty quid a year to you know to have our season tickets. You know, all right, we do sometimes do that out of duty, but typically we do that because actually it's a nice thing to do, and it it is our hobby and our pastime and something that we want to enjoy, and it feels like we are enjoying it again, but it also feels like there's a plan and the players are coached and the team is now slightly more than the sum of its parts. And it was definitely the reverse of that previously. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing to be, or there's nothing to be annoyed about. There's nothing to be dismayed about. This is, a, this is the form team in the division. If we look at, you know, the last five games, we have the best form of anyone. I think it's joint best form of anyone we've, accumulated we're tracking at more than two points per game under Wagner which is you know is championship form and it's also definitely... what, what you said wouldn't happen and I said yeah, yeah. And, I d- and I didn't think it would happen and look let's be honest it might not continue to happen um, because we have sterner challenges to come but what we have done really quickly is actually got our home form back and that was really massively vitally important because without that you don't you know ultimately if you win away 
you get 2,000 fans, 1,500 fans on board, and you can do your little waves to that many people. If you do it at home, you can go and wave in front of the park, but you can go and wave, you know, to the director's box. You can go and wave to the South Stand, you know, River, and you can engage with all of those supporters and, as Edie has quite eloquently put it, feel part of the synergy. And everyone, I think, feels like that. Now, everyone feels like, look, Wagner might not be the greatest head coach that that we're ever going to have, but he's just done loads of really, really simple things, which we kind of, we were screaming out for. It felt like it was common sense. It felt like it was common sense that you would just do better comms around your, your head coach and that you would humanize him and you would make sure that, you, you know, we knew what the journey looked like. We got that really early with Wagner. And I do sometimes, I feel bad for Smith in a way that he was maybe never afforded that kind of air support um, and that he was out on his own. He was almost put out on a limb and, and in the end, probably started to bite back at, at the you know the, the criticism that was coming his way. But at least we've learned the lessons. And at least when there's been, you know, kind of the the new coach has come in, straight away the club has been on board with making sure that they're communicating exactly what we're doing. They're celebrating the success, but also Wagner is making sure that it's not just him that's saying thank you to the fans. It's the whole squad that he's physically, we said this before on the last part, but he's physically pushing players to be closer to supporters and something like that just it just works it just makes everyone it just gives everyone the feels yeah that's what we needed yeah and i I, just going back to what you were saying around when when things were better it's looking back at the names when you said something about joy and i I remembered there being a couple of names of our pods so so going back back when we were actually really in contention thief of joy i just don't know what he does you know these sort of names of our podcasts when when we we really weren't buying into smith like that's two and four months ago that you know typically way... like come up with by Edie, let's be honest as well you know well, usually the, well dancing between the raindrops is was one of Edie's, oh. and that like that was oh. in between the two but i mean uh, i mean we've already got soft little dumpling or white man moaning club by the way if white man moaning club is not on a t-shirt by the end of the week then what we're... like an anti-social social club t-shirt yeah yeah, yeah. But, white man moaning club is brilliant to be fair I, I am part of that club as well so. i know right you don't have moan however yeah i i we've um we we've we've kind of done exactly what we said on the last pod we needed to do we had a run of games coming up against teams that you felt if we had any truck at all um considering ourselves to be a top eight team let alone a playoff or promotion chasing team we need to make sure we're, we're doing two wins in a draw and, and to be fair we've we've done exactly that we've then we then said we, we're ending a slightly harder run at the time Sunderland had were on a good run they have basically in the last three or four games where we've been sorting things out gone into a bit of a free fall and um, so Millwall Sunderland at the time I think were either both playoffs or certainly one playoffs and one seventh and now Sunderland and you know three or four places beneath us and um, I was looking like I always do ahead of kind of run-ins and trying to think about where we are from a narrative point of view and yeah so we, we, we've done an, we've done an away win coming back from behind whether the storm of a late press after kind of conceding that that relatively late goal um, at a playoff chasing team that have been in and around it for a while. Um, and then going ahead, we've now got Sunderland who are desperately looking for form, Huddersfield bottom of the table, Stoke who are sort of middling, they win one, they lose one, they win one, they lose one and have done for the last few games. So, you know, you, you feel that if we can um, at home with a really positive bouncing Carroll Road on Sunday against Sunderland, then, then obviously go into those couple of games against Huddersfield Stoke. 
we can earn ourselves only needing a point against Sheffield United and Blackburn Rovers to still kind of be staying relevant. We've got that really interesting triumvirate of games, Sheffield United, Blackburn Rovers and Middlesbrough, three and four at the start of April. So we play Sheffield United, Blackburn and Middlesbrough, basically what's that second, third and fourth um, in the um, between the first and the 15th of April. And then the last four games are all very, very winnable. Um so I was looking at the, you know, looking at how how it shakes up. If if we can if we can get six points of the next three, um, again Sunderland, Huddersfield, Stoke, you'd think that should be doable. Then we can have a medium April, and we're still likely to be there. So I I did think when we made the change, and I put stuck my neck out there and said I thought it was it would happen that we would finish top six. So now, Ed, I want to ask you, do you want to finish top six? If you could choose. Would you choose to just miss out on the playoffs, but come seventh, so still win more than we lose between now and the end of the season? Or would you prefer to so guarantee that? Or, or fight a man sized badger? No, 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 no. It's 15 man sized badgers. It has, always has to be like a different quantity um, for those to work. No, or would you like to, the man sized badger would be absolutely frightening, wouldn't it? Um, would you like to? Is it that far off? Like how? I mean, there's only like double the size of a normal badger, surely. Badgers are more, no, a badger. <laughs> the biggest badger is only a third of a, of a man. How Do big you is your man though? Is it a Wesley or is it like a you know you and Roberts? Mm, yeah. like, you know, you and Roberts in his play. Fit you and Roberts these days when he actually you know is the right sort of weight. Okay, we're going slightly sidetracked, which does happen sometimes. I appreciate. Um, so the first choice was guaranteed seventh place, lovely end to the season, win more than we lose. The good feeling carries on. And then we, we we haven't quite got enough because Millwall, Luton, let's say Sunderland, just do more than us over the course of the next sort of 10 games. Or I guarantee you playoff final, but I cannot guarantee you winning it. Well, actually, I'd, I'd go for like a minute kind of sub-option, which is playoff final, but not winning it. Because like, I want scrap and spirit, but I just, I think we need to go on a Ultimate crushing out. disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we need to we need to like basically be given a reason to be strategic and to go on our walkabout and to um just like do that thing where you just have to rebuild your foundations and come back strong because otherwise it will be like they'll just have to put down a big waterproof tarpaulin on the pitch next season if we got promoted just for all the humiliation that will occur on it um it's 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 just like gonna be a bit of a cycle we're not there yet we're amazing green shoots but like to actually properly build on a long-term kind of trajectory there is that but I mean also I totally recognize that money is an option and investment is important and that's obviously like cooking in a way that none of us know about right now but like is it is it maybe we have to go through the cycle a bit to kind of get the old engine started as opposed to go on the walkabout I don't know enough about the business uh, to know which option's correct but that makes me sad because it should be all about the narrative as opposed yeah. to the backroom decisions and the spreadsheets but it is spreadsheet season isn't it you know well, the Asnazios are well I don't know I mean when we have this and we'll, we'll come to this in a way when we're doing the, the listener questions but um the, the, the you know let's the badger in the room is the, the investment you know are they going to uh bankroll us if we were to go up you know is, is that 
is that the plan or is the plan to to effectively say well we'll take another relegation because we'll basically finish in inverted commas the the investment job at Colney and the, the you know finish off getting the facilities done and then try and rebuild again for one where we then have the confidence or is it a case of next time you get up we are going to try and help you buy three 20 plus million players rather than several eight to 11 million pound players who are much less likely to work out or, or whatever the strategy might be and I get that that part of it isn't a public part of the narrative and it probably is sensible that they're not sharing that but that's where I, I find it difficult in this these kind of um hypotheticals to to know whether or not you you would want that up now i personally think the way that this season has gone i wouldn't want to play middlesbrough uh at or blackburn uh at wembley for no. for, 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 for a chance because it's good because it's likely to be one of those two right i i i, I if sheffield united drop out of the of second and borough overtake them i don't rate united's chances in the the playoffs, I think it would be a Blackburn that would probably go through. And then Blackburn have pulled our trousers down twice and we look we've looked awful against Blackburn. Yeah, but they season. haven't really pulled up any trees. I don't I don't think either Blackburn performance against us was convincing to a point where I was like, they're a really good side. You know, they'll kind of kick on. I think we were just so bad at that point. Yeah. I think that, that's more the point. And actually I'd really fancy us against Blackburn in the playoffs. Really fancy us against Blackburn in the playoffs. I don't think we'd have any issues with them. Middlesbrough absolutely concur they look like a really coherent side that know exactly what they're trying to do under Carrick and have signed players for that particular philosophy including one Aaron Ramsey who I think did get two at the weekend yeah I think if we I think look I looked at the the run-ins of Luton Millwall ourselves um doing some medium conservative um you know not not expecting Norwich to win everything that that isn't but you know just going on the types of teams we have beaten this season which is effectively most people below eighth we tend to beat and then we struggled with anyone above that and then looking at who Luton have got and looking at who Mill have got I think we're probably going to finish fifth which means we're probably going to play Blackburn because I don't think they're going to go past Borough and I don't think United are going to drop down far enough so it's basically Burnley plus Sheffield United or Burnley plus Middlesbrough and then obviously fourth place, fifth. So that's probably going to be Blackburn versus either ourselves or Luton. And I personally haven't seen enough from Luton to to worry about them in the in the playoffs. Um, I would rather um, I would rather play Luton than than Blackburn. But then again, you, you're you're completely right, John. I've I've seen us lose to Blackburn a couple of times, but it is they have been some of the most toothless and pathetic performances of the of dumpling. Um, bollard football that we had um and you know second time they they sent only half a team down didn't they and that was still enough they just sort of had a couple of the forward players up front and they did the damage and that was the end of that um but is what about you punt would you would you settle for for seventh um or would you would you want playoff heartbreak like Edie bizarrely does it, I mean, it feeds into a question that that we've had in from Jack Goddard I'll just get it up here hang on so he kind of says I can open my phone. Would promotion actually be good for us in the long run? We have tons of young players like Sarah Nunez, Omabama uh, Deli, Gunn, Sarge, Adamida, Max, who could probably really develop and prosper with another year in the championship, but who aren't quite ready for the Premier League yet. And I get it. But if we don't go up, and unless there is a load of Atanasio cash that we don't know about, we're going to have to sell some of those lads. 
and you know it's a financial necessity that that we all have to sell some of those lads and the way i the way the i think the club is pitching it at the moment is the investment is more around infrastructure and legacy and making sure that the club is fit for purpose way down the line rather than right here's 50 million for players like go and get yourself promoted again lads I just don't think that's what's happening. I think that there's a there's a clear plan for stadium development. There's a clear plan. Look, we've just done six million on a swimming pool at, at Colney, you know, kind of. So that there is absolutely um, a lot of money going into what should see us um, hopefully be you know successful in terms of training facilities and youth academy moving forward. I think they want to keep doing those things because they see that as the long term future of the football club. How do you spend think- six million on a swimming pool? Well, and this hole in the ground with some water in it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think swimming pools are expensive, full stop. But yeah, Six it's million pounds. pounds. Right, it's. Um, I mean, I appreciate it's not a hole in the ground with, with water in that's a pond. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but my point is, six million does seem slightly. I mean, like I don't think that, the real side. There's, there's a whole, there's a whole building and like kind of cryotherapy or, or whatever. You know, it's all that that kind of stuff. But essentially, the 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 big bit of it is a. A big old swimming pool. So, <laughs> is that the name of the the, the, the big the, old swimming the, pool? the official? So. <laughs> the the it is yeah exactly the Lotus big old swimming pool. That's <laughs> that's what it's going to be forever be known as. Um, so, but what I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that there is definitely a financial necessity around Norwich City getting promoted. If not this season, then definitely next season because otherwise we're going to be between several rocks and a really really fucking hard place. Um, and the club have been really upfront about that. You know, they, there is no cash and COVID will have probably been a, a mitigating factor as to, as to why it is so bad. But equally, some of our wretched recruitment in the past, you know, kind of three or four transfer windows also equally plays into that. And it's pleasing this time around that actually we've spent big on a player, Gabby Sarah. And we've spent several million pounds on on someone like you know Marcelino Nunez, and it looks like hopefully they're going to work out, and they are going to be, let's be honest, they're going to be sellable for more than we bought them for, because that's part of the club's model, and that's what we need to do. Um, but in the meantime, they need to really add value to the football club, and Sarah especially is starting to do that. In, yeah. You know, kind of in in such a beautiful way. I mean, he's. He's now got the energy of like your typical kind of, I mean, Wagner described it, didn't he? He's playing like an English midfielder, I think he said yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. but with that added Brazilian flair as well. And yeah. that you know, he's goal re- against Millwall, my goodness me, it's ridiculous. have a word. I, I mean, it's how just, you're able to do it. that. Shouldn't the awareness to be able to go, oh, do you know what, I'll spin on this and, and just have a pop. And then for it to hit the underside of the bar as well, just made it look even more i tell you what's really interesting. Useful. What's interesting is... Um, the opposition managers uh, have started talking about us in purring terms again. So if you remember towards the start of the season, it, if if when we picked up a result, it would be, yeah, well, they've just bought on three players who have played 20 times in the Premier League or whatever. And, you know, we were like, mm, yeah, we probably don't want them to play for us, but okay, sort of thing. Um, whereas now there's they've gone back to saying, no, there was some real Premier League quality that undid us and... and, and and you get the impression that maybe the shine went off Norwich once enough people had seen enough kind of tape on us to, to realise that it was that Premier League quality, in inverted commas, that was just about doing enough to, to cover the complete lack of tactical nous. Um Speaking of tactical nous, one thing I want to call out was the um, 
the, the fir- first game without our set piece messiah um scoring from two set pieces and and that not being like a constructed narrative or any bitterness on our part or what have you in that um you know the players ran over to to Andy Hughes didn't they tapping him on the head um and so that shows that it was maybe a you you wonder and I'll bring you in on this ED you wonder if it, that was a thing maybe they when that tends to happen it was a good little Wagner comment as well wasn't there like a, a, I'm not talking about he was asked about it and he said I'm not discussing that just yet so I mean who yeah. knows on that front I, I just think as well I, it's fascinating how hiring a new crop of players with seemingly far more limited English has rendered them invulnerable perhaps to some of the more confusing witterings um, yeah uh, around the club it's like they've just got this beautiful force field of not understanding what the hell all of that that woo-woo is about and are just getting on with the business of of, of football but um this could well be a, a similar thing if they've actually uh sort of found new sources for inspiration yeah i i, I think the that we've got a we've got a bit of a style i still don't think there's necessarily a a, a total blueprint if you see what I mean, and I and I almost think that that purpose, is though. That's yeah. the yes. first step, isn't it? Purpose. We, I would say that we play in a in a kind of driven way, and I think that the there have been no shows under Wagner. You know, there have been whole first halves in which we have not turned up, and, and not necessarily. And we're not talking first couple of games. You know, uh, you know, a couple of our recent you know successes, our victories, we have disappeared for for twenty minutes, and it tends to have been at the start of the game. <laughs> And um, I think the intensity and the, the the driven nature with which we make decisions decisively as players, that is maybe the that is maybe the Wagner blueprint. And it is the fact that now when when that's not happening, that that's why the bad bits look as bad under Wagner as we looked bad under Smith at times. You know, we have drifted in games for twenty twenty five minutes without threatening. Um, I wonder, John, do you think that is a personnel thing that given given another transfer window he will be able to address or is it the fact that he hasn't he just hasn't had the pre-season to get them up to the insane levels of fitness and and work needed to to do that level of intensity for 90 minutes because his old Huddersfield team used to basically be like Terriers although it's the wrong Yorkshire club but you know they they know it's the right one it's the right Yorkshire club well, Huddersfield, they're the Terriers, yeah. I thought yeah. for a second I thought I got it mixed up with Barnsley. But yeah, the point is they really did. They were ratting and going, going and going for 90, 90 minutes and maybe it's just too late in the season for him to introduce that. Yeah, I, look, I think you're right. It needs insane levels of fitness to completely deploy what he's asking the players to do in, in the most effective manner. But I think there is also a bit around the shape that he's been playing prior to Saturday, actually, because Millwall was a little bit more um, conservative than than previous games. But there is a way to play through us. There is a way to perhaps press us in a you know kind of in such a manner that means that I don't know we find it difficult to get out, or it can all be a bit stodgy. And I think that's still a challenge that that Norwich need to overcome is that when there is some really effective high pressing teams how does a Wagner side deal with that and I haven't you know the right now the answer is quite badly however you know kind of if they don't press us high if they're not really organized if they're not really effective and if they allow the likes of 
Kenny to drop deep and get the ball, if they allow Sarah to get on the ball and, and do what he does, then we can be incredibly incredibly effective because we move the ball. And this is the main difference for me from, from under Smith. We're moving the ball much quicker and we're moving it forward through the thirds really, really quickly. We just want it down that end of the pitch where Sarah can do his thing, Puki can do his thing, Hernandez can do his thing, Dow when he's fit was able to, to produce moments of magic and the fullbacks can join in as well. It's almost like let's play 2-3-5 like they did in the 1950s and just go all at it. And I think that will have that will have varying degrees of success in this division, but it will be enough to get us in and around the top six and it might have been enough for top two had Wagner taken over in September maybe and and that's that's extremely heartening you know I don't think there's anything to be negative about in that respect but what I do fear is that um, I don't think it's a personnel issue per se I think it's a Wagner's system issue and it is once you find out how to work it out he was found out at Schalke Mm. he was found out at Young Boys he was found out at Huddersfield you know so when people have a proper look at what you know the the actual Norwich is going to look like you know in say like a couple of months when you know it should really be a side in his own image um we need to not necessarily have a plan b but we need to be really good at what we're doing and I'm positive that he can get that out of us because I mean look at look at someone like Onel he's just a Wagner player, isn't he? Like this is ridiculous. You know, that's what he wants. He wants high levels of energy. He wants people going forward. He wants you to get it in the box. Yeah. And, and we've got players to suit that now. Um, So yeah, no, I don't think it's personnel. I think it is just, he needs to get his coaching into these lads more and more and more, and we will grow and grow and grow. Okay. So we'll move to listener questions. Um, But I just want to, before we do that, Edie, I just want to get your, you know where where we stand at the moment what's your prediction looking to your crystal ball looking to your crystal badger what is the final position going to be for Norwich City Football Club where where are we going to finish in the league that is i just i can't see it at this stage because it's it feels it the so i mean i have basically received match reviews uh, as as uh, back end worker of the of, of the website, I've received match reviews, which over the past few weeks have just warmed up and warmed up and warmed up. But mm. I'm still not. I don't know. I'm still quite anxious that there will be moments of disappointment because what we've seen is like the slow honing of instinct again. Because previously, like we had minimal strategy and min- minimal instinct, um, and I think in the absence of strategy, instinct can help. So the strategy obviously is still getting refined, but the instinct seems to be growing. So it's it still feels a bit tentative. Like I think when you were talking about fifth or sixth, like it's that cusp, it's that it's that traditional Norwich what, what, <laughs> kind yeah. of yeah, position yeah. where it has to make you bite your nails in some way, but always like you'll bite your nails and then you'll scratch your head. So if I was a magic eight ball, it would definitely be an inconclusive, I think. Okay. And what, what do you I reckon? I still got my head around this. What do you think, Puntylicious? Well, the question is where we're going to finish. Is that. Yeah, league position. Yeah, I think we'll finish sixth. Um, and I think that we will come up short in the playoffs. 
and that's fine. I'm happy with that. Okay, so going back to, to the question that I posed, I would take seventh. I would take a guaranteed seventh over a guaranteed playoff final because I just think coming, I think we could really use just falling short in seventh and we wouldn't have to get over a massive, we wouldn't have to get over as much upset and defeat as we would if we lost in the semi-final or we lost even worse. Surely, would, wouldn't we want to get fired up by that sort of thing? Like every setup, every setback, sorry, every setback is the setup for a comeback. Not my words, Parsling, the words of the rock. <laughs> okay. Like in I can all... See- we were on video. I can see it is written on on your wall behind you. Yeah, yeah, it is in Gothic script. Because yeah, it is Gothic. Is it? I, ju- I just thought it was bad handwriting. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, punt. List of questions, please. Right. I'm going to have to start with this one. This is so. This is from Norwich fan Gaganrecht on Twitter, and this is specifically for you, I think, Edie. Has there ever been a worse example of official club fan merch than the Marcelino Nunez lovely jubbly? t-shirt which actually personally i thought wasn't a a terrible idea just not brilliantly executed was it no sense i i don't think clubs should do that kind of brand crossover merch you know like you've got a player called reese and you do a t-shirt that says reese's pieces (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah no i just don't think teams should attempt that stuff i think that should be for fan groups because um, fan groups get that stuff, and clubs like they shouldn't. If if they do get that, then they're too hipster for to be running a football club. Um, that has been a worse piece of football merch, and that is the Norwich City edition of Guess Who the the board game. <laughs> um, it, it, it the sheer construction of the faces on that board really make it a much more difficult game to play. Let's let's put it that way. Mm. Uh, Ill advised somewhat frustrating to play maybe for the connoisseur only i see thomas have you got any other answers on that no (laughs) um but now might be an opportune moment to to just mention that we do have a a david wagner t-shirt on sale on the website if anyone would want to partake in that that's wagner lucian yeah Mm. exactly yeah i'll let people go and find that pre-sale available until the 10th of march Exactly. Thank you. Um, right. Next up, Liz Howler asks, will we look back in future years and curse ourselves that we never made Max Aaron's player of the season unless as a fan base we see sense this year? And I guess that kind of broadened it out in my mind to go, well, in my head, who is this season's player of the season thus far? Because I, I don't, I, you know, I'm thinking about it now. I haven't really got a proper answer for it. It would be Gabby if it was if the vote was tomorrow. It would be Gabby, wouldn't it? Because recency but, bias. Yeah, I was going to say the recency biases would kick I in. Mean, it, I mean, I think even Pookie won't like won't win this time. I He's mean, nowhere I, near it. No, absolutely nowhere near it. So, but I mean, you know, typically, if there's been an mm-hmm. orange season, then, then he's involved. Um, I would say Maxi has is pro- has been top three performers all season. Definitely, I'd be astonished if he didn't get in the top three. Sarah will now. Unless he either gets injured or has a massive drop in form between now and May, I can't see him not being top three. Um, Nunes hasn't done enough. Sargent's not done enough. Pukki's not done enough. The goalkeepers have been in and out of the team. Um, the defenders. If we're are going all... on recency bias again, are we throwing Onel into the mix? 
Well, I mean, he also has got vibes and bants factor. So, you know, he, you know, he, he <laughs> is, is that a particular factor. For yes, yes, there's yeah, yes, yeah. a scientific factor in player of the season voting right, vibes and bants, VNB. Um, so I, I think there is a chance that he will be, he will be in there. Um, and again, like from a, from a defensive point of view, we saw it at Millwall at the weekend. If you took the, if you even took half of the embarrassing Sunday league level mistakes that our defenders make in the same game in which they make fantastic goal line clearances and brave headers and do really brilliant, brilliant pieces of movement to track runners and, and snuff out attacks and then also just give give away a goal. Just take away 50% of them. We're in the top four of this league, maybe even the top two. Because, you know, the draws are not draws and the wins are by bigger margins, etc. So, um, but I don't think you can have a defender in there. So, uh, you know, as in centre-backs, I mean. So, yeah, I think it j- just almost by the people who have had a sort of middling season, that's why it's probably going to be Sarah, O'Neill, Max, top three. But Max, unless he scores a couple of goals or like does something really marvellous in the running, he probably isn't highlighty enough to get that's top so place. Unfair. Go on then, Edie. State your case so for Max. Unfair. He shows up. It's not often that you would look at him on the pitch and think he's somewhere else, which has occurred in multiple occasions with multiple players this season. He has shown up every single day. like. I put him I in my like... top three. I mean, that's, it's, it's quite complimentary. I, I am shocked, Parsley, absolutely shocked that you have not used this opportunity to further the cause of Kenneth really? McLean. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I talking about who's likely to to get it. I, Kenny McLean, I think, has been a really consistent performer. However, for more than half the season, he has been the scapegoat for idiots. So, and idiots <laughs> are allowed to vote in polls as well. And talk um, on this podcast. Right. I, yeah, I'll let you come on every week. Really? So um, if we, you know, he is, I think he has been superb. He's a player's player. He's a manager's player. He is, he divides opinion amongst the fans. I do think he has been particularly superb since Wagner took over. But I think, I, I think he was brave enough to be on the ball during the awful soft dumpling era. Um, and that meant that he was just as available mistakes. But Hanley, who I think is brilliant and had as a good overall season Hanley and Gibson have made way more mistakes that lead to goals than McLean has done so I I mean I don't think McLean's got a chance of winning it but yeah he'd be in my top three so who's your candidate because others have made way more mistakes no no I'm just point, I'm just pointing <laughs> out amazing teacher no I'm just pointing out the the thing that is held against Kenny is is way more of an issue for other players. I'm not. I'm not saying that it's because of other things. I, I would say. I would say that he, Kenny has done more this season than O'Neill in a in a, in an overall co- contribution. But if you were to ask most Norwich fans, I doubt his name would come to mind before O'Neill because O'Neill's got a good song and he's got a tattoo and he likes Argos and he's you know vibes and bands. The thing is, though, it's like we've suffered from at least one year of a terrible case of main character syndrome. Mm. At multiple main characters all yeah. bouncing off against each other. You know, we've had the the yellowhead son from Deerham. We've had Mister Mountain. We've had you know people should be shouldn't be mean to me because I'm performing badly at the game of football. Uh, all of these people, and I think Kenny was one of them. He did tend to kind of he did veer into main character syndrome occasionally, and that was behind a lot of his his errors. And I would just like to usher in a more cohesive team vibe. 
And by doing so, I would like to hold up Max Aarons as the cornerstone, the solid foundation, the exact opposite of main character syndrome, the supporter, the worker. Nice. So the campaign starts here. Yep. Evie yes. Mullen, is that what you're saying? He's okay. with me. Yeah, I'm with you as long as I can have Kenny in second. You can, you can have who you like. You only get one vote, don't you? I don't know. Some of the elite fans get two votes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Do you get that email? Yeah, I do, yeah. Nice, nice. Um, I'm kind of all over the dial with these questions, but we're just changing it up a little bit. Mick Saunders has asked, or he said, rest in peace, Robert Chase, which I'd absolutely echo, And but he's asked us, and we're all probably of a certain vintage where we can remember his tenure. Yeah. On balance, was he good or bad for Norwich City? And Mick kind of acknowledges he oversaw some real success, probably our most competitive squad at the, the top level. But then other stuff happened and it all went a bit sour. Other stuff did happen. Um, Isn't that our endless story, though? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I'd love yeah. it. Yeah, anything other than classic. He, he would he would have been the chairman for three European campaigns. You know, in terms of he did enough. The things that he could have, the things that he could affect. Was he chairman in the mid eighties? Yeah, I think so. I thought that was someone else. Well, he might have been chairman. He was at the club, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Yeah. yeah but well, anyway, point is, someone due- will correct us. They invariably they do. Yeah. But but my point is, he was a, a huge part of the club, a steering influence in the club, whether he was chairman or not. I think he was, but whether during a period of, the, of of when we have been at our most, you know, it was assumed that we would be in the top flight, and it didn't look like we wouldn't be in the top flight for years to come. And that hasn't happened since, apart from one season, uh, the middle bit of that three-year run, where I went into a Premier League season thinking we're probably going to stay up because we stayed up quite comfortably previously. Um, and, and, but even then, you're still a bit worried until you get to 40 points. So you, you, you have to give huge credit for that. And also, he's a part of the story. He's a part of the narrative. To, to a certain degree, we are where we are now because of the decisions he took and some of the law around... Um, you know, player transfers and Sutton and you know that press Windass, conference, yeah. And, and, and but but even things like the, you know, the some of the really ugly stuff around the, um, uh, police horses charging and the 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 chase out, um, stuff that that's so indelibly part of the story of nineties Norwich. But that's what made me sad about all of this. To, to, like, So I, I've met Robert Chase a couple of times and I have to say he is a lovely or was a lovely, lovely man. And I think, you know, maybe, you know, he did do loads of really good things for this football club. And then maybe the size of the task got a bit too big for him and, and got away from not just him, but other people that were steering the football club at the time. And then it all unraveled um, and we all we all know the story. But what made me sad is that, he never wanted to talk about it afterwards. He never really got his opportunity to tell that story. And look, we've spoken to to players that were, were in and around the club at that time, and they all speak so glowingly uh, about that man. You know, you've seen the likes of Darren Eady, Robert Johnny. Fleck, Brian Gunn all come out like recently since the news and just, just talk in, you know, the most affectionate of terms about him, which I think, says a lot given that you know his his tenure at the the end of his tenure was relatively controversial with fans Edie what do you remember of Mr Chase I remember precisely nothing (laughs) because this was the era I was cruelly ripped away from Norwich and 
and basically forced to move to Did a... Robert Chase tell you? Ah, <laughs> uh, if only there was any kind of, you know, choice in the matter. Had I, uh, aged 11, had an agent, I would have appreciated that that sort of uh, discussion. No, I was, I was basically planted in a terrible seaside town with a terrible football club. Yarmouth. If only. <laughs> and yeah, and basically my entire life has been a journey to make it back to the correct area of Britain correct from said seaside club. So I don't know too much about his tenure. I do obviously know about the era. And um, so if, if he is part of that, then it's definitely something that we should probably have been gathering some form of oral history about. It's a tremendous shame that we haven't, but maybe this is a kick up the bum to find other people who could tell stories yeah. and capture said stories. We've got stats up the wazoo. Everybody's got books of stats everywhere. You can go in HMV and buy about four copies of different stats books. Um, are we collecting enough stories? Yeah. yeah Excellent shout. We, we should probably get Lorne on it. Um, I presume there will be a, um, a minute's applause on, on Saturday, sorry, Sunday for him. I haven't seen anything in terms of an announcement. You would expect so. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would like be say, the chairman of the, mo- the club's most successful, you know, yeah, era. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you would imagine that would be the case, um, and maybe you know, to Edie's point, that will trigger some um, some discussion and some discourse, and there might be some nice little narrative bits and bobs. So I imagine our friends Michael and Paddy and uh, Connor will be on that um, and seeing if there's anything they can pull together for us to read. Have we got time for for one more before we lose Edie to? Yeah. Uh, Let's do one more. And this is, so I'll talk about this quickly before I hand over to Edie. So this is Steve on Twitter. Sorry, Steve, you haven't got a surname on your profile. Don't say sorry. Is, it's not It's not our fault. Well, I'm not taking responsibility. Choice. Yeah. Sort yourself out, Steve. Respect Steve's choices, John. Yes, Steve. Fucking, You're such a Steve, Steve apologist. You always have been. Well, my middle name is Stephen. So that might, you know, that may just explain it all. Wounded. Exactly. Anyway. Steve, our good friend Steve now asks, <laughs> who is better at ignoring the noise, Elon Musk or Stuart Webber? Great question. And I'm, I'm guessing, so look, we, we obviously we're being playful with <laughs> even acknowledging this question, but I'm guessing that he is referencing the most recent Training Ground Guru podcast, which actually I think is worthy of discussion. I don't know if either of you guys have listened to it or just seen, it. seen no, the, I do have a the pink and headlines. How well, is 90% high performance? <laughs> go on oh that's my question that's your question yeah i see well um Stuart weber spoke really well on the training ground guru's recent podcast and i think there were some throwaway lines which i don't know if he chucked in deliberately well no he did chuck in deliberately about the, about, yeah about the mm. local press and you know yeah and all all of those bits and and i did feel like he was still wallowing in oh, woe is me about that and why did they attack me and why did the fans kind of come at me? But actually, it felt like for long sections of it, the the stuff that was covered around Colney, around player recruitment, around reshaping our recruitment after Brexit, about the South American stuff, it felt like Weber had a little bit of his 18-19 mojo back and his focus and his purpose. And I was like, okay, if that's the Stuart Weber that we're getting... Um, you know, for say, however long he's at the football club, then I was I was more comfortable with that. It was interesting that he he also seemed to acknowledge that he was 
a much better, I think he referenced this, a much better change manager, if we're going to talk about business terms, than a status quo manager. And he needed to have almost that period of flux and new things and, you know, to be implementing stuff. And I don't, maybe that suggests what might have gone wrong over the last couple of years, that it's all just got a bit samey. (laughs) But possibly that is the case. But then, you know. Oh, well, you know. He didn't he didn't get pushed on the Chelsea stuff because obviously we know he spoke to Chelsea, but he yet he also said he was quite happy to stay here and it would take quite a lot for him to move to a different job in football. So I don't know whether his tone has changed or whether the Chelsea interview experience maybe scarred him or just whether that's not he's as true. Sat down with someone finally and they've started to talk him through this sort of thing where you know you cannot put out very provocative statements in an interview and then expect everyone just to go yay good on you like you cannot work in the business of football and then be surprised um when people are passionate about the results that you're delivering combined with those statements like it's 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 fairly easy maths so it, it, I'm sure he's hurt because everyone is hurt if they get yelled at. And obviously I couldn't say what has or hasn't happened. Um, there are things obviously like, you know, intimidation, not on, you know, saying crap in front of kids, not on. But in terms of the actual legitimate criticism of a man who said that he intends to give 90% of his bandwidth to a club and then expect people to kind of go, Yes, that's right. You put your feet up. We'll carry on with our terrible results. Um, he touched on that. In yes, fairness, he did touch on that in the recent interview and said, look, some of those comments are out of context. Actually, the 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 way in which he's going to engage with his mountaineering was very much within his kind of contractual annual leave stuff. Like, I, I thought he gave reasoned and considered answers that maybe he should have done a while ago. I think it was almost like he'd had oh, yeah. that time to think about it. I'm, I'm sure because he made a terrible, terrible mistake. Um, I, th- I think he'd come out of this a lot better if he admitted he made a terrible, terrible mistake. But at some stage, he just got people. It's, it's very easy for people to feel like they should get away with stuff if they're doing stuff for charity or doing good deeds. Um, you should be just as accountable, no matter what you're doing or what you're purporting to be doing. Um, I think he kind of just got a little bit kind of, I don't know, just feels like a very early midlife crisis, if, if anything. Um, he should have just got himself a nice cut price lotus and possibly a leather jacket. But um, if he comes out of it, having learned some lessons, then that's great. And, um, you know, he, he's, he, he should be a big fan of accountability. We've heard a lot about it in, in various podcasts. So um, uh, that's how we, 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 uh, we grow. We, we take accountability uh, we develop self-awareness and then um, we tend not to repeat previous mistakes. So if he's on that journey, then I applaud that decision. I applaud that journey and um, I can only hope for a, a better showing um, to come. I would like that showing to continue with some local media interviews. Um, I think mm-hmm. it would have been great for well, I, I will listen to this podcast that you mentioned, uh, John. I'd never heard of it until I'll send you the link. But I'll, I'll, I'll send you the it, link. It's totally down known. I'd never heard of it as an entity um, until Stuart, until, Stuart, until Stuart Weber decided to go on it. I just think, what if he'd have had that conversation 
you know, when he felt ready to maybe say about out of context and, you know, accountability, et cetera, maybe he, he could have had that conversation with the people he fell out with the, the worst about it. And look, or I think we that, could just ask him if he wants to come on this podcast, because uh, I'm sure he'd be well up for that. I'll be mm-hmm. showing off his own arm, I'm yeah. sure. Um, so I think the, the, the opportunity to heal those kind of wounds um, comes with a winning football team. And yeah. we have uh, we have one of those. We are top of the form table joint, uh, and we have got very winnable games coming up. Um, so I hope that if we can maybe get if we can split, um, you know, get uh, get three points out of um, out of those kind of tricky games we've got coming against the playoffs teams, we're almost certainly going to be there or thereabouts. But we have to dispatch Sunderland, and we have to dispatch Huddersfield. Uh, can I get some guarantees, please, of a points haul from those two games? John, first. Oh, Sunderland and Huddersfield. Yeah. I'm going to say four because I think we're going to draw on Sunday. Yeah, I think we probably could have worked out. that. Oh, you think Sunday's the draw, not Huddersfield's the draw. Okay. Yeah. Edie's pulling her face. That might just be her face. It might be wind. Sunderland's, really? Like, I just thought that'd be a, you know. Just, it's, just, it's just a gut feel, mate. That's all, that's all it is. Oh, it's not based on any kind of logic. Sense. I... I yeah, you're right. The Sunday on the telly is never really traditional fare for big old Norwich win. Okay. Big old Norwich with a big old yeah. swim pool. What about you, Edie? Yeah. What are you saying? Points haul from the next two well, games. I, I can see perhaps like a draw would be a disappointing reality. So maybe maybe you're right, punch. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I'd, I'd see us sort of probably winning both in an equally kind of embarrassing style with some moments of what the hell are you playing at? But that's scrabbling through um, just as, as everyone sort of starts to fall in place a bit more and have a clearer idea of what they're doing and, you know. I think it's going to be 3-0 on Sunday and 4-0 on Wednesday and we are going to be in fifth by the next time we talk, which will probably be after the Huddersfield pod. I was right about the last set. Let's hope I'm right about these. Thank you, Edie, for your time. Thank you, Punk, for existing. Stopped watch. Yeah, it's always exactly. But I think actually, I'm right more than what twice a day. Is it twice a day? Is that the analogy? Yeah, I'd like to speak to your wife about that, mate. Okay, fine. Just, just getting clarity. You've talked about that. We do have to set some boundaries. My there you go. <laughs>